0: has your company just gone public giving you a sudden influx of wealth have you been saving for the future and want to be sure you're managing wisely congratulations and welcome to wealth unlocked with tom selbo of landmark wealth management group tom offers guidance to help you make the big decisions surrounding your finances avoid costly mistakes and build a strong financial foundation for your future let's get started
1: Welcome to the Wealth Unlocked podcast with your host Tom Selbo. I'm Patrice Sakura, and this is the very first episode. So, in it, we're going to learn about Tom from Tom, which can make for a rather entertaining show. So, Tom, let's start from the beginning. How did you get into this business to start with?
2: Hi, hey, Patrice. Thank you. I guess what? Uh, let me take you down uh, down memory lane, if I can, for okay. uh, for a few moments. <laughs> Okay. So if, I, if we go way, way back to, to my college years, I was a finance major at San Jose State here in the San Francisco Bay Area. While I was at college, uh, I, w- I was working my way through college to, to pay for it. And I worked at a, uh, a local Volkswagen dealership and working at that Volkswagen dealership. What I did, I, I worked in the parts department mm-hmm. and, and for the parts department, I was the parts driver. Body shops, uh, mechanical shops around around the Bay Area would order oh, parts, it. and and I would would deliver them. Uh, so that was my my college job. Patrice, let me ask you this: If you're spending most of your day in the car, uh, driving around the Bay Area delivering parts, uh, what do you do? I'm, I'm listening to the radio. Uh, bingo. Okay. <laughs> yes. During those years, most college kids were probably listening to to music. Yeah, me being the individual I am, I I found talk radio. Good man. Good. Yes. Man. <laughs> and, and I just I during those years, uh, and especially here in the San Francisco Bay Area, the, the diversity of of personalities out there, I, I mean, whether it's politics or liberal or the classic conservative talk radio or whatever, um, not making a political statement, but you just have you have the option of, of all of these opinions that are out there. And I just found it fascinating. So I'd spend uh, all day just listening to the, these talk radio people, and um, as a college kid, it, it was awesome. So uh, now let me reel it back: how to get into this business. <laughs> While I was driving parts all around the Bay Area, listening to talk radio, and I think it was 10 a.m. weekday mornings. Uh, there was a radio host here who did a personal finance show. All and, right. Yes. So he talked all about personal finance, and and he just made it so interesting and i as a finance major myself and and listening to this gentleman speak it, it was just fascinating to me it's like okay it's like okay i can you mean there are these companies out there like for example i'm a, a coffee addict so love coffee and i'll just use this as an example starbucks isn't my favorite coffee but during those years i frequent starbucks and it, it was just fascinating to me that the this business that I frequent, that I I love, I, I could actually be an owner of that, a part mm-hmm. owner, and I could I could invest in those companies and benefit my own personal wealth, if you will. And that was just wildly exciting to college Tom uh, driving around in his truck delivering Volkswagen parts. So all of that being said and, and i fast forward through a lot of years there but i i went on to to finish my degree in finance at san jose state i uh, did a couple internships with uh, local advisory practices here in in san jose and i uh, got hired on out of school as a as an advisor that's the sort of the how how did i get into this business that's the wow those are the, the building blocks to get me in and um, and fast forward over a decade later, uh, still in the business, been with the same mentor, uh, Daryl Scheidler that I started with um, right out the get go. And it's just been a a phenomenal ride. And I I would just, if I may, what I would add is Daryl, my mentor is just, is a legend in the business. He's been doing this over 45 years. And I, over the last decade, I got to just observe him working with clients and really just you can see the emotion in clients eyes when you deliver just freeing financial news um like mr and mrs client you can uh, you can retire today if you want or um you can buy that dream house you always wished you could do and just the, the those emotionally charged moments just keep me going
1: you're still listening to radio though too right absolutely all right that's my man <laughs> yeah, I, and I, full disclosure I worked in radio for many, many years and was on KGO in San Francisco.
2: Awesome, that's a, that's a staple okay. out here. Yes. And I, uh, I I find myself here in front of a mic and um, maybe a, a plucky young college kid will be listening to me <laughs> and I can true. inspire them to get into the business. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Comes full circle.
1: I it like does. that. Yeah. All right, well, who are you working with? Who's the who's your ideal client?
2: I, I work with clients of, of all walks of life, but I'll, I'll narrow it down to two. I generally work with a lot of I, I will call them IPO clients. So, so IPO. What, is, what does that mean? Uh, initial public offering is when a a private company, who's who's running their business, decides to quote go public, mm-hmm. and they they get public funding and they they list their shares on public exchanges for anybody in the general population to invest in. So, where I am in, in Silicon Valley. Uh, that's the, this is hotbed, what happens here. If, yeah. it, it, exactly. It's the hotbed here. And all of these private companies, mostly in, in the tech area around here are working in their, their specific niches. And, um, I wouldn't say that they, they, they hope to go public. That's not the goal necessarily of, of companies, but oftentimes that's a logical next step. Uh, once these companies reach a certain momentum to help them get where they want to go. Mm-hmm. So all that being said, there, there are so many individuals who work for these private companies. And then all of a sudden they find themselves in a scenario where this company they're working for is going public. And they, as employees of that private company are often given private shares of stock, which while the company's private is often at worst, worthless, Uh, it's just, well, okay, you own so many shares of this private company, but you can't sell it to anybody or it's highly illiquid. You you are you're not going to just be able to sell it and and cash out kind of thing. But when the company goes public, those private shares individuals own become immediately available for for sale if you wish. So you have this moment of of it quotes, just wealth being unlocked, where you can individuals can then have choices to hold that that stock or do something different. And I say all of that to just say, these are, these tend to be very big moments for individuals where they have a lot of decisions to make. in the pre IPO process. And then specifically where I help in the post IPO process of, um, okay, we now have this wealth. How do we manage it right. responsibly? Uh, we How do we make, how do we set it up to do uh Mr. And Mrs. Client, what you would like to do for, for the rest of your life kind of thing. And um, so that that's one Type of client oh, I work with a lot: Company uh, clients that just have uh, their companies going public, and they need they have big decisions to make, and, and I can help them on that journey. the The second type of client is a it's a broad brush, but I'll just call it uh, pre-retiree type clients. And I, I love that term. I, I laugh at it pre retiree, what does that mean? It's uh, in my two and a half year old son is, is a pre retiree, but um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but it, when I say that, I mean, uh, people who are on the path towards retirement, they are saving money, they and they're looking to get more clarity on what the possibilities are, when can they retire? what kind of lifestyle might they expect when they can retire and they're really looking for a professional to help them on that journey to say uh, for and for me to go in and say okay here's here's what's possible and then i try to align that with what they might like so here's here's what you would like to have here's what's possible with what right. you do have and here are some steps we can take to to optimize that so uh, just in summary uh, I, ipo clients clients whose companies are going public and pre-retirees are, are the main uh, types of people that i work with
1: it sounds like you have a lot of educating to do especially the, the ipo people if they're coming into this money for the first time they don't know the possibilities and the pre-retiree people they may have just been saving and saving and saving and then suddenly it's like tom what do we do so, what do you do for education?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And education is is critical. And I'll, specifically on the IPO side, these are. It, it sounds so prestigious. That you you're working for a company and they go public, and but but these are just normal people working at at normal jobs, and they're again, it's just part of that that yeah. world here in Silicon Valley, and they all of a sudden they're in their company's going public, and they. They find themselves in a world that they know nothing about and so it's my job just to to educate educate about their choices right because there are always choices in these matters and there's never an absolutely right choice or or rarely um finance is a i call it a soft science there's if i knew what was going to happen in the future i could tell you exactly what to do but we don't and that's the reality we live in so you're you're helping to make the most prudent choices with that soft science in mind so it's it's educating about their options oftentimes it's oftentimes it's educating in in highly specific areas that i have expertise in but i bring in other professionals so for example in these scenarios whether it's a pre-retiree or an ipo client oftentimes taxes are a a huge component of the decisions they need to make i, I tend to be the the sort of the guiding person on, on the journey for clients. But when the tax situations get quite complicated, it, it's really the job of an accountant to come in uh, a CPA and, and help the client and us work in collaboration to optimize. So there's education like that, or for example, estate planning often becomes very important for clients who have amassed some wealth through just saving or, inheritance or IPO. Uh, you want to make sure your affairs are in order and and protected. And that's really the realm of an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not an attorney. We know about estate planning can give just general suggestions, but um, it's educating clients in those highly specific areas and bringing in the, the experts when needed. Now, I'll just wrap that up by saying my expertise. So where I come in is I, I Oftentimes, I'm the quarterback. I, I tend to be the cor- the point person for clients. They they know me. They know I'm uh, helping guide them on their journey and and planning and and all of this. I do investment management and financial planning really really well. Those are the the two uh, the two broad areas that is are my specialties. And then things like estate planning and uh, tax planning, those are. Those are highly specific areas where we want to bring in professionals when appropriate. I know a lot about tax planning and a lot about estate planning, so I can help guide those conversations. But for me, it's educating on that investment management, the financial plan component, and knowing when to bring in the expert uh, when needed.
1: That having been said, tell me about the team that works with you in the office.
2: Yeah, so I'll I'll talk about our team a little bit. I'll start from a, a... a high level and I'll drill down. I'm a a wealth advisor and a partner here at Landmark Wealth Management Group. Landmark, we have offices around the country and we have about 50 employees uh, that work for Landmark. Mm -hmm. There's 50 of us spread out across the country. There's about 17 financial advisors uh, who who advise our clients. Um, And then there's another 20, 25 or so who are team members who are supporting uh, supporting our clients and what we're doing. So that's at a, at a high level overview of, of the firm I work for. Now I'm here in San Jose, California, in the Bay Area. And in my office, I'll, I'll point out uh, all of our team members here. We have myself, uh, a lead wealth advisor and partner. We have Daryl Scheidler, who is also a partner and, and wealth advisor. And we have Tammy Mark, who is an advisor in our office as well. So we're the local team here in the Bay Area that serve our local clients. We're the client facing advisors who who are working with our clients every day and helping them make these decisions. Supporting team members for for supporting all of what we're doing. Fred Harper in our office is the chief investment officer of Landmark. He's also a, I call him the financial planning extraordinaire, (laughs) <laughs> guy in our office. So he really helps with the um, high level planning. Fred's a certified financial planner and he is just uh, phenomenal at helping us and our clients put together uh, financial plans, especially when they tend to get quite complex. Then we have Sarah Scheidler, who, who works in our office. She heads up our marketing department and our client experience. So we do, uh, we have client events, we have webinars. We have appreciation events, and Sarah really is the point person to coordinate all those uh, and make sure our clients just have great experiences at, at our all of the events we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, lastly, but certainly not least, uh, we have uh, Elizabeth Hill and Jake Cucci, who are client service coordinators. And these are uh, just invaluable people to, to our team and to our clients who are really making sure that all the ducks are in a row for our people and for our clients so that nothing falls through the cracks so uh, if you need distributions if we need to change beneficiaries if we need to um, do things behind the scenes to make sure everything is working right they're just the experts in that area
1: they're the people who the cement that holds things
2: together I'm sure absolutely yeah
1: yeah speaking of designations and advanced education tell me about yourself
2: I mentioned I went to San Jose State, got a degree in finance, uh, minor in, in communication. And and since then I've gone on to get an advanced designation, the Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Yeah. So I went through an education program through the American college, got this designation where it's specific to being an expert in, we have accumulated, we've accumulated wealth as an individual, I'm speaking from a client perspective, I've accumulated wealth either through saving, through my working years, or my company goes public and I, I have some wealth. I ha- Now I have this wealth and I need to turn it into income. So it's no longer about saving or accumulating, but it's about how do I, if I stop work, how do I get a paycheck? Mm-hmm. And there's so many ways you can go about that and, and optimize that and, and different ways to approach that. So that designation focuses on, just focuses on that area of uh turning going from a saving mode to a paying yourself mode mm-hmm. and just being able to optimize that plan for clients. So I I've, I've done that and I, I I have that designation. I am I'm also uh, there are three components to what's called the Certified Financial Planner designation, CFP, and I've completed two of the three components for that designation. So the, the last one is to sit for the the exam, which I plan to do in the next year.
1: Oh, congratulations! I hope you hope you pass it, baby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm yeah, sure it's a tough will. one. Yeah. All right. Um Do you have a, a business philosophy? It sounds to me like it's very, very people oriented. Whatever it might be, but talk to me about
2: that. So my business philosophy, and I don't know where I I picked this up in the past. I really don't, but. It resonated with me, and I'll just share it broadly. So, from a broad perspective, in in any or or most business transactions, there are there are three parties. There's the the company. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, the worker or the employee of the company, and there's the client that are being that's being served. So, the client is okay. purchasing something, a product or a service. There are these three parties: the the company. The worker and the client, and and my my philosophy is that there needs to be a very good balance that each of those parties is is benefiting equally. When there's a transaction that takes place, the business benefits, the worker benefits, and the client benefits. And we've seen this all all throughout history. But whenever one of those components gets really really out of whack, um, like okay, there are there are transactions happening, business is taking place. But for example, the business is the primary winner in that in that transaction, y- you have a, a failing business model that's just going to get out of whack and you need to make it. My philosophy is that we need to keep that balance in check, it, bringing that specific to my business. I mean, the financial services industry, I, I think the model is still the same, but it's a little bit different. So let me just put a spin on that. When I'm acting as an investment advisor or or um, acting in a financial guidance or financial planning capacity, I am under the I'm under the rule, which is called the fiduciary rule. Mm-hmm. So as an advisor, what does that mean? A fiduciary it's a fancy word for saying uh, the client's interests need to be above all others in in any transaction or advice that's being given and i think that's very fitting for for this industry honestly i think it's it's fitting the work that i do working with people's finances is such a critical job sure. and it has such uh, personal implications for individuals that work with us and take our advice that it's it's putting the client interest first before the company interest interest before the uh, the worker interest and in our industry i think that's just how it has to be and, and that's really my philosophy. The the client interest needs to come first, but it can't be out of whack so much with the other parties involved.
1: All right. When you're not working, what do you like to do for fun?
2: Oh, I knew you were <laughs> going to ask that. <laughs> you had the list in front of you. you? I did. You know I was. <laughs> so I'll I'll keep it short. But I, I'm one of those individuals that has. Too many hobbies. I mean, honestly, I, over over the last decades, I, I've picked up snowboarding, hiking, fishing, mountain biking, and, and I, I don't know. I love uh, just cars. I love work. Uh, I love working on mechanical things. <laughs> These are all all the hobbies I've picked up over the years. But uh, Patrice, let me ask you this: What do you think the best solution is for someone like me with with too many hobbies? Oh. I'm not
1: sure you can have too many hobbies, but you have to find the time to split between them, I suppose. Or well, you're always going to be sampling and never become an expert at something.
2: Absolutely. So, so the well, let me back up. So the best solution for someone with too many hobbies is is to have children. <laughs> yes,
1: that's
2: <what> we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so so, uh, so I have two children, and and uh, time for hobbies that I've picked up over the years is uh, is on the back burner, which which is honestly okay. But 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 really, if I go back to just what do I truly love to do for fun? If I had to pick one, I'm a I'm a fisherman. Mm-hmm. I, I I love fishing, and th- this is not the kind of fishing of go to the lake and sit on a lawn chair and cast out your line and, and drink a beer kind of fishing. I'm into what I would just call exciting fishing. Hey, okay. to, to paint the picture for you. I'm, I'm here in in the Bay Area, we have, we have a wealth of outdoor opportunities and okay. San Francisco Bay and just the Monterey Bay and the coast and all of that. So just to paint the picture, I mean, you, you get up early, the air is fresh. Uh, you board a boat in in San Francisco in the Bay, you you exit the harbor and it's just it's this epic moment you you exit the harbor and you, you turn out through the bay and you can see the the golden gate bridge in in the distance yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's I I mean you can almost you can almost hear like the the intense theme music <laughs> turning on as you're as you're motoring out under the golden gate and there are these other sport fishing boats kind of by your side and you're motoring out i I always think I play like Eye of the Tiger uh, <laughs> by Fleetwood Mac. It, I like it, 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 yeah. in my brain is just like, dun, 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 dun. And we're just like <laughs> cruising out under the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's really just this.
1: And the dolphins have to be jumping in front of the boat. They're not going to be Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha.
2: yeah and, and, and when you're in that moment, which is, I, I love that experience. And I I do that whenever I can, just going under the Golden Gate Bridge out on the fishing boat. It is, um, there's nothing like it. And then you go out, you spend the day fishing, you catch, uh, I mean, we catch fresh salmon, halibut, rockfish and come back and you're exhausted, but you, I mean, you clean the fish and then you, then you just have, you have your, then your you have fresh dinner. fish. Then you yeah. Yes. They, yes. And, and then where we are here in, in California, I mean, the, uh, the fruits and the vegetables and the options of just the fresh food we have right yes. here with the, the, the freshly caught fish, the, the whole experience and then preparing that and, that's that's what brings me back i mean i mean i'm also a, a huge cook so that kind of oh. the the outdoorsman fishing aspect with uh, combined with just bringing it full circle and just i mean providing a, an excellent meal to the family or friends is it just energizes me
1: that's wonderful that's wonderful which makes me almost afraid to ask the next question if you had all the money in the world, what would you do
2: with it? <laughs> so there's gonna be I'd some overlap here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and it's when I saw that question, I, I, I've i heard this before. If if you know exactly what you, if you wanna know exactly what you should do w- when you grow up, you should ask a, a fourth grader what they wanna be. That there, <laughs> I've heard it scientifically that there's something about like when you're in fourth or fifth grade, you, you know what you love, you know what you're passionate about, but you're also not uh, jaded by the world quite yet. So there, you have this sweet opportunity where you, you ask a fourth or fifth grader. So uh, I had the luxury of uh, my parents saved all these things that I did in elementary school. And I was looking at what did I write when I was in fourth and fifth grade. And time and time again, it was, uh, I want to be a commercial fisherman. <laughs> So here okay. i am the uh, city boy and in, in san jose california wants to be a commercial fisherman not much of an industry for that here but if i had all the money in the world i might give that give that mm-hmm. a go mm-hmm. okay okay what did your folks do were they fisher folks they were not i mean um i mean my mom worked at a hospital um, my dad worked at a, a church and they, so just uh, normal people but we did we loved going up to the mountains and mm-hmm. fishing and um, taking these trips out on the ocean. And so they they kind of instilled that outdoor love for me. They, no, I didn't come from that background. So where that came from, yeah. no clue. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right, then, Tom, we're going to wrap this up and put a bow on it. What sure. is your proudest achievement?
2: I won't toot my own horn here, but I, I will be truthful and just say that uh, my my proudest achievement is my family my my wife courtney and we have our two boys raising our children Uh, it's just wonderful and it's an honor it's an honor really to be able to to raise them i just i'm very very proud uh, of of the family i have that uh, my wife and i have Mm -hmm. are in the midst of of creating and and managing through the chaos and yeah and just enjoying
1: tom uh, that is so sweet to hear so wonderful to hear and i i want to thank you this has been a really enjoyable conversation. We'll have many more going forward uh, because this is just the beginning of your, your podcast. So, listeners, follow Tom Selbo's podcast, Wealth Unlocked, to get the latest episodes, and you can impress your friends and family by sharing it with them. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Unlocked podcast with Tom Selbo. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. And follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at Landmark Wealth for all podcast updates. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Landmark Wealth Management Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.